On this Thursday edition of Riding the 3x3, Patrick Fesh and I, Russ Heltman, dive into the streaking New York Knicks and Oakland Athletics, winners of 8 and 11 games in a row, respectively. Then lane number two, Tom Brady is not very happy with the NFL's jersey number rule changes. And lane three concludes with weekend freestyle UFC 261 on the docket with three championship fights in Jacksonville, Florida in front of a packed house. Then we also drop our favorite NFL season win total that we have seen after the numbers came out last week. For Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Keep supporting the Ride in the 3x3 movement. Let's get in the lane, number one. We're live here on Riding the 3x3. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined across the line by my co-host, Patrick Fetch, for a weekend edition recording here on Thursday, April 22nd. Got three big topics to bring to the people, starting off with the streaking teams in the MLB and the NBA, the Oakland Athletics, winners of 11 in a row and the New York Knicks on a streak of their own, winners of eight of their past games. We'll dive into both of those streaks and check in on how those teams have created such great excitement for their fan bases. And we got lane number two, rule changes come down the wire with approvals out of the NFL owners' meetings, single-digit numbers on the way, and the GOAT is not happy about that, Pat. Tom Brady, a little miffed about single digits coming to a lot more position groups across the NFL. And we'll close that segment out with one win total coming out of last week's uh, Vegas release that we would bet right now. And then it's weekend freestyle. Pat's going to have what he's looking out for, and I got what I'm looking out for, namely UFC 261, three title fights, two in the women's division, and then, of course, the welterweight title on the line between Kamaro Usman and Jorge Masvidal. We'll see if we get a baptism on Saturday, Pat. In front of 50,000 strong, we get the first packed house at a uh, an indoor sporting event in uh, in the uh, larger sports American scene, I'm excited to see what that looks like. It has been a long time, Pat, since we have uh, experienced a a UFC card or any sporting event with a packed house uh, full of fervor. Leave it to the UFC to be the ones to get it done, and at least shove it down your throat, whether you like it or not. And uh, exactly. that's exactly they were there. They were at the forefront last year, right? Right, exactly. Yep. So Dana White is going to do what it takes to, in order to make himself uh, the most money as possible. He's been successful at it, and it's going to create great theater. And as fans, that's what we're here for. So I'm not going to spend my time uh, looking too deep into it. Hopefully we get the excitement, get the juices going with those fights. And you're always my guy, my go-to to get me ready for these uh, weekend bouts and these UFC cards. So I can't wait for that. Gonna gonna be listening intently with my dollars in hand for what you got. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some uh, some wagers to be made on that card for sure. We'll dive into all those odds when we get to the weekend freestyle. But starting off, Pat, in Major League Baseball, let's go with the team on the longest win streak out of the duo, the Oakland Athletics. Eleven straight victories, fresh off of an zero and six start where they were outscored by I think fifty plus runs by the now uh, floundering a little bit Houston Astros. We mentioned them on the Monday show. According to a last sports, Oakland is the first team in Major League Baseball history to win 11 straight games after uh, starting a season 0-6. And, and the A's did both within their first 19 games. No team's ever won 11 straight games at all in any season after starting 0-6. and 6. 
Billy Bean and the Magic Pat. This is their longest streak since the famous, what, 20-plus game win streak that they had all the way back in 2002. Scott Hatterberg, the walk-off homer to seal, I think, 20 game or, or victory number 22 in that late summer night. The Magic is, uh, is fresh and anew in 2021 in the Bay Area. Magic is probably the right way to put it. Maybe a little bit of luck. And to describe just how bad the Astros really were to start the season, they've won 11 in a row. I think they're 12 and seven overall right now. Still have a negative yeah. two. <laughs> still have a negative two run differential. So that is the baseball gods smiling down on the Oakland A's. Their game against the Twins was absolutely bonkers just yesterday afternoon. They were down in the game. I think it was like a 10-8 game. They get bases loaded, driving a run. Matt Olson comes up with a chance to put him up, hits an absolute rocket into left center. Byron Buxton goes down, makes a diving play, probably the play of the year so far, saves you know saves runs, keeps the Twins on top. They go into the last inning, Twins holding on to that lead, and uh, literally made like three straight airs uh, so that the A's could beat them mm-hmm. by a walk-off run and – it was just a it was a crazy game and probably speaks to just the luck of baseball, right? I mean, a ball that absolutely should have landed, gotten into the gap for a double for Olsen, gets stolen from him by Byron Buxton, maybe the best in the game out there in center field. And then on the other end, when uh, the game was all but one, the Twins find a way to just give one over to the Oakland A's. And that that's baseball for you. So the A's are definitely riding a high wave right now. That is a very interesting division, though. It's still... I mean, I think we we all were sort of rooting for the Angels a little bit, kind of that super team feel to, to be interesting. Obviously, the Astros still very much uh, a fixture, just a feature in Major League Baseball, that them being up and down. And now you They're got the Marlins. right now in that West Yeah, the Mariners. Mariners at 11 and 7. They've done this before, though, where they started hot and been the worst team in baseball. So it's a, it's. <laughs> I think that division is just living up to the expectation that nobody really knew what exactly was going to go on. And so I, I think it's been fun. It's been exciting. And uh, Billy Bean defined, Billy Beanball defined, that is, uh, comes out of Jed Lowry. The, uh, the, yeah. the name out of nowhere, Pat, who was hitting three or slashing 323, 400, 516, and was an all-star for this team, the Oakland A's, that is, back in 2018. But over the last two years, only played nine games. Uh, during his time with the Mets due to injuries, they pluck him right back off the bargain bin, and here we go. Jed Lowry's like, all right, right back on my old stopping grounds. It's beautiful, right? Uh, the, the Reds seem to be a team that can do that. It's just yeah. a few franchises. It's it's smaller market franchises always that seem like they just have uh, the golden touch. I like the way you put it, the bargain bin. They go to the clearance sale. They pick out a nice-fitting nice shirt like Scooter Jeanette, all of a sudden plop him into the lineup and he's hitting home runs left and right. Seems like that's what the A's would have been able to do with Jed Lowry. And, hey, you got to love the small market teams winning while they they spend so much time losing. And Matt Olson bouncing back nicely after hitting 195 last year. Haven't yet had Matt Chapman, the other Matt, pick up the pace with the bat yet. So it seems like they aren't really peaking at exactly, exactly on this 11-game win streak, even though – if you're on an 11-game win streak, you'd think you would be firing on all cylinders. But uh, I forget who it was last night. I think it was one of their position players who said, uh, we just feel like we're going to go out there and win every day right now. And that that could be, speak to this, Pat, as a baseball player, the most important thing when you're stepping on that diamond. 
Definitely. Success is contagious in so many walks of life. And there's a very famous saying in baseball always goes around that hitting is contagious. And once one guy's seeing the ball, it puts the pressure on everyone seeing the ball well. Then there's an energy to it. You can feel it even when your team's playing bad. As Reds fans, we know it, where the game starts 0-0, but you already feel like you're down 3 nothing just because there's no life in the bats. There's no life in the dugout and the energy. And you definitely need that in a sport of baseball, especially in a sport that can make you feel so alone so quickly. You make an error out there at shortstop, it's very easy to feel like one person with a 100,000 eyes staring directly at you there's nowhere to hide there's no helmet to put on you really don't really work as a team too often you know it's it's a singular player that needs to be made by you with all eyes on you and so whether you're a pitcher a hitter a fielder you definitely need that energy that support of your teammates around you you need to turn an individual sort of performance into a team game and that is i think one of the challenges of baseball is finding a way to really uh, find a cohesive and a true goal for the team. Have everybody working, uh, working as one. It's a very difficult thing to to do in baseball. Thousand percent. And when we talk about this A's team, Matt Chapman, I think likely for this this magical run to continue into built building into a powerhouse this year, he's got to have to pick up that bat. Olson going to have to continue this strong start. They're probably going to have to find a true ace, Pat. But then again, after the, the slow start, they've had a really strong outing out of every single one of these uh, one of these guys in this rotation. Four shutouts in their previous five games. And Jesus Lazardo, could he be that guy as their number one ace? We're about to find out, I think, this season at just 23 years old with right around 83 or 89 career innings to his name. This is going to be a big kind of fulcrum year for him, and it could be the fulcrum of their, uh, their entire season in the AL West. Yeah, the, the A's just have a lot of really good players, but they don't have any great players. And I think that's mm-hmm. what you're sort of uh, alluding to with Matt Chapman is they kind of need him to be a star if they think they're going to go over the top. And I don't know if I agree that Ch- I mean, Chapman just might not be the one, but they've got guys like, <clears throat> like Matt Olson, like Ramon Lariano, who – can be good enough in spurts. And sometimes that's what you need is just the right guys to be great at the right moments for those to just sort of be a, a checkered effect with who's hot and who's not. And so as long as the A's are getting lucky in that extent and don't hit, um, you know, don't cycle up at the same time, so that, that would be important for them. They're pitching, they're starting pitching. I don't know what to feel about. You're right that they don't have an ace but they do have a very good bullpen. And sometimes having a very good bullpen is much more important than having an ace that you can throw out there. But you mentioned Lazardo. He's 23 years old, lefty, throws upper 90s. He's got the stuff. Manina, Manaya, Manaya. I don't even know. I never know. Manaya? I think it's Manaya. We'll go with Manaya. Right. And like Mike Fires, Frankie Montas, they've all, they're all vets and they've all done it. Pitching can be so inconsistent, though. Hitters will adapt. You got to adapt back. And it's going to be – it's a marathon, right? Baseball is a marathon. So it will be interesting. This team does need to stay healthy, though. They don't have an incredible amount of depth. I don't love their team uh, outside of their first nine and really eight, you know. But it will be interesting. I I think the Angels, just the way they're playing, even with Rendon on on the bench right now, I still like the Angels to take that division, though. Long way to go. Long way to go in this summer odyssey known as Major League Baseball. Hitting down significantly, though, this year, Pat. Kind of uh, kind of intriguing to see the analytics and the spin rate and all that kind of come to fruition and dominate 
the sport of baseball. Like we've seen so many of these high heat pitchers coming up the ranks. It's, it seems like every single day, it almost seems like a massive disadvantage at this point. If you're throwing anybody out there that doesn't have gas cooking above 95 miles an hour. You're right. I love the new transition that the baseball analytics are taking too. for, you know, so long, the whole Moneyball era was very, very uh, focused on just production. How many times you get on base, do you walk and you hit home runs? Now they're starting to look at the game a little bit differently with the sort of just evaluating how hard you can hit the ball, how consistently you're hitting the ball hard and really just letting the other factors rest where they are and not trying to put too much stock into the production because there's so many factors in baseball. You just, simply cannot control and I love I love the approach of hitters just going up to bat trying to hit the ball as hard as they can like Joey Votto this year so he's, he says he's gonna stop thinking so hard he's gonna go up to the plate try to hit the ball as hard as he can every single at bat and it's made him a better more fun more electric hitter and I think a lot of hitters are sort of forming to that approach I think it's uh allowing the athletes in baseball to shine more, right? Because they're not up there trying to think about doing too much. The focus is, again, returning to just seeing the ball and hitting the ball. Obviously, you have to feel the game of baseball. Have to, the more knowledge you have on your IQ of what a pitcher might throw you is going to give you that advantage to hit the ball hard. But I love just the simplicity that the game is sort of, you know, while it zigs, it zags, and it's sort of zagging back into that way. You need athletes who just hit the ball, put the ball in play, run, force other teams to not make mistakes. And I think we're getting a pretty good brand of baseball right now in this short season. A lot of exciting things going on. I think we can expect it to continue. It could be a good year for baseball. MLB TV seen uh, their most minutes watched, Pat, on their service in the history of the streaming uh, platform. So, Big news there. I know MLB TV has loved these early no-hitters, a lot of exciting games, the Padres rivalry with the Dodgers, all that good stuff. Going to keep watching along we with just the Oakland A's and their street. Yeah, I mean, talk about exciting games. We just had our red legs, uh, unfortunately, lose 14-11 to 11 today. But I, mean, I didn't want to bring a- it up, Pat. I, 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 I wasn't going to bring it up. I was going to let you bring it up. It was tough. It's it was okay. a tough one. Um, yeah. Uh, we, Amir Garrett uh, is <laughs> – one of one on my shit list right now. Um, had a, had a just a terrible loss with him yesterday, but <sighs> it's it's very the guy that's never closed before. Pat, is that who you're talking about, Amir Garrett? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's it's very it's very encouraging to see that the Reds hitters play like they are. I mean, every game, even when they feel down and out, the pitching's let them down left and right. Even their own fielding's let them down. They've clawed their way back in so many games and. You gotta love a team that just does not quit. Never feels like they're out of it. Feels like offense and get that back, get them back into any game. Boy, am I excited to not play the Arizona Diamondbacks ever again. Let were alone, one, were they one in four against them this year? One in five? One in five. Yeah, I think so. that's done. I think we're done with them though. So we can just <laughs> wipe that off. This we can forget Wave about the that. White flag. Absolutely. The white Absolutely. Flag. A bunch of mediocre players just had our number this year on that team, and that's okay. It happens. It happens. We'll you just know what they say it. about the Reds and those West Coast teams, Pat. Just not not friendly. Not friendly with the West Coast teams. Not not liking them a bit. Not at all. The Giants will a have a team that has that. Forever. Oh, always, Pat. Always. We don't. We don't talk. That was. It was. It's, we're almost a decade of past it. We're getting to ten years. <laughs> it's still. It's still. Still the same pain. Still the same pain. And some pain that. The New York Knicks opponents have been feeling plentiful over the past eight games, Pat. Eight straight victories for the Knicks, their longest winning streak since 2014. It's the first time this team has been a four-seed or higher, according to ESPN Stats and Info, in the Eastern Conference standings through at least 50 games since finishing as the two-seed in the 2012-13 season. 
Tom Thibodeau installing that hard-nosed, no-nonsense type of program in New York City. The defense has flourished. Julius Randle has lost the, uh, the, the correct amount of weight. He's putting up 40 and 10 burgers left and right. He is my most improved player runaway uh, candidate right now, uh, lapping Jeremy Grant and the rest of the field at this point because the New York Knicks, Pat, are six games over 500 through um, 50, through 60 games in the season. And at this point, they're kind of one of those teams in the Eastern Conference that nobody's going to want to play in the playoffs, especially with that brand of defense that they play, ranking in the top five in most metrics. And they're sitting there pretty safe at that four spot. You got to think. I mean, I don't know if the news of Trey Young has really hit officially yet, but whatever happened. Did right, not the ankle look. injury. I don't think we. I don't think the MRI results have come out, but I don't. Did I, not I, look. I, I have not gotten a notification from Woj, so I don't think there's been anything yet. Right, but that that's tough. And so, I mean, you look at it, the Celtics have just been so discombobulated all year. They just have no identity, especially offensively. So talk about teams who definitely don't want to see the New York Knicks in that round one. Uh, if, if the Celtics make their way up to that five seed, four or five, I mean, I think I'm taking the New York Knicks in that series. The Celtics mm-hmm. offense has been so inconsistent. They had to play iso ball. They really just don't play with a true identity on, on offense anymore. And so you, you just mentioned the way that the Knicks can disrupt you, how hard they're going to play, the energy they're going to bring. Really the only energy you get from the Celtics whatsoever is whatever Marcus Smart can muster out of his team that day. Other than that, you just have ISO ball going with those wings and Brown and Tatum, and it just hasn't clicked for them. So I think the Knicks, not only are they going to make the playoffs, they could sneak out of the first round or handily win in the first round. This could be a bit of a run for the Knicks, but I mean, you're high on Thibodeau. He's been a great regular season coach. Uh, these players, I guess, are just going to dig deep for him and, and try to make this playoff run whatever they can of it. About uh, what we got? About 13, 14 games left here. Yeah, 12 games left, 60 games through for the New York Knicks. They're a half game up on the Atlanta Hawks after that pivotal victory in overtime. 137, 127, outscored the Hawks 15 to 5 in that final five minute extra session. 40 and 10 piece from Julius Randle, who is hitting the three ball at a great rate this year. Like I mentioned, lost the 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 right amount of weight. He's just looking like the ultimate version of that player that the Lakers selected in the top 10, what was it in the 2014 NBA draft? So with the uh, Trey Young injury on his ankle, got the negative x-ray, so that's good news for Atlanta. Getting the MRI probably was already done a couple hours ago as we record this right around 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, on Thursday, April 22nd. Huge victory for the New York Knicks. They keep on winning eight in a row. I love, just, I love what they have put together with that entire crew. Reggie Bullock's hitting the three at a nice rate. He's been disgustingly good. Off of uh, off of corner threes, Pat. I think he's shooting something like sixty. Or no, R.J. Barrett. Get this, Pat. This is from uh, Kevin O'Connor and J. Kyle Mann of the Ringer University podcast. Is shooting sixty percent on left corner threes off of R.J. or off of Julius Randle drives. Like basically every time Julius Randle drives the ball and passes to R.J. Barrett in the corner, you're dead. You're dead. And I felt that the other day when the the, uh, the Knicks blew out my Hornets by twelve. R.J. Barrett, I think, think, hit two or three of those corner threes on me. That guy is averaging like 24 points a game since the All-Star break, shooting over 40% from three. He has turned into the top three prospect 
and number one overall prospect ahead of Zion Williamson heading into the 2019, or excuse me, 2018-19 college basketball season. R.J. Barrett was highly touted, highly respected, great work ethic, great work ethic, and a great motor pack. He is displaying all that right now in his second season in the Garden. You love the Knicks, and I think that's hilarious. But I mean, that's a pretty specific, specific uh, stat with R.J. Barrett. I mean, only on drives by Julius Randle. Like, what happens when Alec Burks passes the ball? Is it just is it just not there? Is I don't know. That Alec record? Burks is making a lot of down the hill drives, <laughs> kickouts. <laughs> <laughs> makes off. Fair enough. But I imagine enough, it's not sixty percent. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about the depth of this team. Like you just said it, everyone's making shots. And so when everyone's making shots, the the lineup can look as Derek pretty Rose as they added. He's been yeah. solid for them. Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky. It's a pretty deep team. Oh, Reggie Bullock. They lost Mitchell Robinson, who going into the year, Pat, I would say consensus was their number one player going into the season. He's been he played, I think, only like 10 or 15 games. They haven't really missed him at all because Nerland's Noel has stepped in, a guy who many labeled as a bust early on his career. He's worked himself a nice, decent, decade-plus almost NBA career, and he's, he's filled in pretty well in the absence of Mitchell Robinson. He, I, I just don't know who makes shots for this team in if the they're playoffs. down in games. When they're down in games. I think all fine and dandy when Julius Randle can lead this offense and they can just play for points, but – when they have to score, when they need shots and they need to make pressure shots or off the dribble shots, I just don't know. I don't know who you trust. It's kind of you're just going to have to give the ball to the hot hand to hope you get lucky that night. But I don't feel great about anybody on this team, quote unquote, even taking over a game. I mean, we've seen it before. It's just so hard for big men to really, really do that. I think that's why it's so important for someone like Jokic to have uh, a counterpart like Murray. I don't love the idea of Randall having to run the entire offense during an entire playoff game. We'll see if he can answer the bell. Has never really had that opportunity in the playoffs throughout his career, but 24 points per game, 20.2.9 PER leading the team. Uh, the only one above 20 on the entire next roster, 10 and a half boards, six assists per game. He has turned into a very well-rounded offensive hub for this next team. And we'll see if it can translate but he's going to need a guy like R.J. Barrett as well or Derrick Rose to come through uh, and start showing some better and savvy in those playoff big moments. A guy who has always shown better and savvy in big playoff moments, Pat, Tom Brady, not very happy with the NFL rule changes, namely the change to NFL uniform discourse being that players can now, according to the NFL, Quarterbacks, punters, and place kickers can wear numbers 1 to 19. Defensive backs, so cornerbacks and safeties, can wear 1 to 49. And then running backs, tight ends, and receivers can wear 1 through 49, 80 to 89. And we got the big men, the offensive linemen, can wear 50 to 79. Defensive linemen, same thing, but they can also wear 90 to 99 as well. And then linebackers are 1 to 59 and 90 to 99. Basically what all this means is, is now we're going to start to see guys like, for example, Jesse Bates, number 30 on the Cincinnati Bengals, photoshopped himself in a number three uniform. And the reason this got Tom Brady so mad, Pat, I kind of – I didn't think about this because I'm not a six-time or, what, seven-time – six-time Super Bowl champion uh, as, uh, as as Mr. Tom Brady is. And that is that the players on the defensive backfield are going to be a little bit harder to identify – because they could all be wearing single digits. You might not be able to identify the mic. And Tom Brady 
called all that out on his Instagram, calling it, quote, dumb and saying, why not let linemen wear whatever they want to? Why have numbers? Just have colored jerseys. Why not wear the same number? Dumb. Pretty succinct from our uh, guy, Tom Brady, there. A little sensitive from our guy, Tom Brady, there, <laughs> wouldn't you think? The, the the greatest of all times, a little shaken on the number changes. That's kind of odd to me. Um, I, I don't. I can understand where his points at, and I guess if you're so comfortable, you know, dropping back and seeing number twenty, whatever, running down the field next to number eighty something, it, and it just makes you uncomfortable if you start to see single digits or if that number looks like a wide receiver. I can understand where that could be a little bit confusing potentially. That being said, Tom Brady is watching how much film a week. Like Tom knows what number everybody on the opposing defense is, right? I don't think that that's going to cause many issues. I think Tom Brady is going to know all the potential Mike linebackers. They're going to come into the game against him. I think he knows who the starting free safety is on the defense he's playing against, right? He's going to know Jesse Bates is number three. So I don't understand the the frustration about all of those things, but I guess if you're just 20 years in and you're so used to it, you're like, I'm the greatest of all time. I should, it shouldn't be different for me, right? Like once some things start looking different, that's when, you know things are off, but I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. So many quarterbacks coming up, like especially young ones, are playing all these different numbered guys in college, right? There's no number restrictions in college, so they're used to it. If you're younger, you're used to it, and that's probably become more of a trend in college as for people to skew to those more single-digit numbers, especially as they play more on the field. Yeah, Jamar Chase, like he'll probably keep number three. And real quick, Pat, I shortchanged our guy Tom Brady a Super Bowl. I said six-time Super Bowl champion. That was obviously before he led the dilapidated Tampa Bay Bucks to their first Super Bowl victory since uh, since the early 2000s to get his seventh one. I don't think I have a huge issue with the numbers, to be honest. It's going to be kind of cool to see like a middle. I like the middle linebackers being able to wear single digits. I love that. Like the old, uh, I just think of Manti. I just honestly think of Manti Teo. I don't know why I only think of Manti Teo when I think of the single digits, but the Notre Dame linebacker, it, that's just the first one I, that comes to mind. But so, it seems a little, linebackers seem a little meaner when they only have that one digit on the on the. Uh, that, I think that season was really funny too, because Middle linebacker was number five, and Manti Teo, and then Notre Dame's quarterback was also number five. So literally, their two best players, their two star players on both sides, were the exact same number. So I guess that's where you can start to get. Was that Kaiser? Was Kaiser there that year? Uh, it was Everett. It was uh, I forget his first name. It was some some guy that some 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 forgotten Notre Dame quarterback. Right. He only took him to the national championship, but I forget his name. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, where, where are we? Yeah, are they gonna let two play? Like, you know, can somebody on the Buccaneers defense wear number twelve? As you know, presumably will never be on the field at the same time as Tom Brady in number twelve. Is that are they gonna let that happen, or is it gonna be strict one per team? I mean, there's only fifty three guys on the roster. It's not like a college roster where you could have. Yeah, I think you can. I think it's only gonna be one one number allotted per roster spot, so you can't have the same number. Um, for different roster spots, but I Brady, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. I know you <laughs> needed, I know you needed a reason to post on Instagram this week, but I think it's going to be all right. I think you guys as professional football players are going to be able to figure out a way, like Pat just said, to, uh, to figure, to see which guys to block and go block. Them. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to be that big of an issue. Like guys are changed. There's, there's what, Three years, the average career is three years. How many guys are getting turned over every year with new numbers that you have to learn? Right. Like it's happening it's, every it's, day of the week. 
They're going to be, yeah, they're going to be playing the Chiefs next year, and Tyron Matthew is going to go out with a different number. It, it, Tom Brady's just not going to know who he is. He's like, who's that guy? I've never see, seen him. See, now, if I'm playing the Patriots next year, I'm making sure everyone, or not the Patriots, it's forced to have it. Face, facing the Buccaneers next year, I'm, fa- I'm having every one of my guys change their numbers. We're all Great changing point. our numbers. If you're the Saints defense, everybody <laughs> on that defense is going single-digit numbers for sure. For oh, sure. man. It's going to be great stuff. So let's look at some other rule changes uh, that did not get put in, namely the spot and place rule or spot and choose rule, Pat, which was uh, the uh, add-on to the overtime or the the fix for overtime that would have allowed teams to put the ball and uh, and choose where they were going to start their possession on the opponent's side of the field, but they nixed that. So, uh, some other things that we can go after. We got loss of down after two passes. So in week 11, we had a game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams. And Tom Brady caught a deflected third down prep pass and then threw it to Mike Evans for an eight-yard gain, which is an illegal play. And they penalized Tom Brady, but they declined the penalty, McVay did, because he didn't want to give the Bucs a second attempt at converting a third down. Makes sense. So obviously, they're just going to make that a uh, a loss of down now to get rid of all that confusion and, and make it allowable for a team to accept that penalty for getting rid of the uh getting rid of the ball and throwing it back illegally other than that pat not a lot of serious changes i really wanted to highlight that that nfl uh number will change and tom brady getting all miffed about it but i think we'll start to see some actual changes to overtime maybe once they get another year back with fans Get a little bit more uh, more succinct timeline back on the uh, on the straight and narrow with the usual workings of the NFL. Maybe we'll see some more stuff happen out of there. But moving on to lane number three, we got weekend freestyle. I'm gonna let Pat start with his weekend freestyle because I kind of highlighted mine at the beginning with UFC 261, which we'll close out the show with. Okay, so that was it. you want to close out the show with that because I was gonna go straight into that. I, you know where I'm going. I got to go with baseball. And, I mean, the best rivalry in all baseball, Reds-Cardinals this weekend. A little bit of return of some fire. Castellanos, obviously, just got back from his two-game suspension. Homer today in his first game back from it after being too excited, having a little bit too much passion when it came to playing the game of baseball. That's obviously not allowed by uh, King Manfred in, in the executive office there in the baseball. But we're getting a chance they uh, were going to St. Louis this time, so there's definitely going to be a warm welcome for Nicholas Cassianos, I imagine, over the weekend at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. But uh, I think that's going to be a great series. Those two teams both sort of struggling at the moment. But, I mean, as a baseball fan, I love just good old baseball rivalries. So I definitely have my eyes on that one. But, I mean, Russ, we gotta be, we got to keep our eyes on the NBA this week, too. We are making the final playoff push and I don't know if you saw uh on Twitter somebody tweeted at our boy Damian Lillard said Damian Lillard I put my house up basically I bet the house <laughs> I, saw this. <laughs> I bet my house that the Blazers would go over 42 and a half I need you dollar dame he said say less say less brother he's going he's got you he's got to go 10 and 5 for the rest of the season I believe to save that man's house they got the Grizzlies at home on Friday. I think that could be a pretty good chance 
to get to notch another win for him. That's a great and game I, with Triple J back in the fold, Jaron Jackson Jr. back uh, for, yeah, after I, his torn meniscus. The Grizzlies have been sneaky good. Actually, that's that's right. They play the Grizzlies twice this weekend. So you can catch two good games Friday and Sunday of Dame Lillard trying to save his his faithful fans home by getting 10 <laughs> more wins on the season. That would be just awesome. So that's what I'm looking out for. I'll be watching my red legs taking on just the the St. Louis Cardinals. This absolute bane of my existence and i will also be betting some of my uh some of my hard-earned cash along with our guy on twitter we're we're, we're putting it on the blazers we're saving that guy's home this one's <laughs> memphis portland tomorrow uh on friday night at 10 p.m eastern that should be a good game some other uh some other big ones across the nba slate we got boston and brooklyn on friday night at 7 30 p.m that should be another Great bout as well. Suns and Nets this Sunday, obviously. I know. It's just, I want to it's pump up a... these Nets games, but are we going to get anybody playing? Like, dang, they're only they're only like seven and five when one of the uh, when one of Kyrie uh, or one of only Kyrie James or KD plays. They are just kind of an average, mediocre team, and that's why it's so important for these guys to get back together over this final 15, 16 game stretch here and figure all these things out. Whew, UFC 261, though, Pat. Kamaru Usman, we know the storyline going into this one for the main event. Took the six-day fight on short notice last year, or Jorge Masvidal took that fight on short notice once um, once the challenger went down against our guy, uh, our, our guy Kamaru Usman, with a bout of covid and I am so, so perplexed that who's going to win this one because Masvidal, uh, Usman has said he's one of two people that he has not broken in a UFC ring. He is one of two humans, Mas- or Usman has quoted saying that he has not yet broken in the octagon because of his ability to hang on that cage last time. He ate the leg stomps and he also didn't really have, Usman didn't a true game plan that he could put together in six days time to take out a guy as good as the fighter known as game bread. So whew, a lot of great, great matchups, a lot of great storylines going into this one. We got Masvidal a plus 300 favorite. So the odds maker is heavily, heavily siding with Kamaru Usman on this one and likely a, uh, a decision winning decision type of outcome with the over under set at four and a half rounds and the over heavily shaded to minus 190. So Masvidal, a knockout artist, Pat, not expected to get the best out of Kamaru Usman in this one, although he's been doubted so many times before and he's answered the bell each time. This is a very, very interesting fight. So give me a quick refresher. Maybe you just say that. Sorry if you did. But so Masvidal was a late entry right very six days before like you just said right and Usman had been training for a championship fight though and Masvidal kind of just saw an opening was like I'll give the people what they want and just stepped in for the people so I feel like right so you have to imagine Masvidal will be slightly more prepared for this fight Um, I would think you probably have to give the preparation advantage to Usman last time I guess he was preparing to fight a completely different fighter but at the same time was still mentally preparing to fight Masvidal is such a savage he just entered the ring and was still able to go the distance with Usman you know regardless I'm sure he's still training still getting his work in still staying ready that being said 
to stay that ready is 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 insanely uh, insanely impressive. And sure, he did lose on a unanimous decision, but I I, I almost look at this as Masvidal being the better say fighter. But Usman is just uh is just a weapon of a human. Uh, he's just a tank. He's so hard to move. I, I don't understand how any human would ever want to fight against Usman. Once you see him in the ring, he's just, uh, he's just incredibly intimidating. And so with that being said, I don't know what Masvidal's game plan has to be. I, I don't see how you can knock him out. Well, it's, got, it's got to be knockout. That's all. That's what he's got to do. And at least pressure, knockout pressure, knockout volume, amount of the amount of punches yeah. he's going to have to land is going to be substantial. And he's got to make sure he's, he keeps him off the cage. Because Usman, he's not the flashiest guy, but he goes out there kind of similar to what Floyd Mayweather did in his prime. And he just wins. He wins on defense. He wins on offense. He wins any way he needs to. And history's on the line here. If Usman wins Saturday, he will be the uh, standalone second place among longest winning streaks in UFC history behind Anderson Silva's 16. Usman's tied with Max Holloway, John Jones, Khabib, Demetrius Johnson, George St. Pierre in UFC history for the second longest winning streak all time. So what is he 13 at right now? fights in a row. It's okay. uh it's a lot of stuff on the line, Pat. A lot of stuff it's, on the line here. Then we got the two uh two female fights uh beforehand with Zhang Welly taking on uh Rose Namayunas and then Jessica Andre on battling Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko the champion there, and then Zhang Welly, the champion of uh, that welterweight division who was in an absolute war last year with uh, Joanna Jedrzejczyk. Where uh, did, you, did you ever see that picture, Pat? Where she, her face, like the at heat, like the contusions in her head, made her look like oh. look like an alien. It was crazy. <laughs> that was like one of the craziest craziest shots I've ever seen. But UFC 261, it's going to be a lot of fun. I forgot to add on the final part of our NFL segment, Pat. So we'll do it here before we get out of here. Best bet right now that you have for NFL win totals. Who is your best bet right now? I will go ahead and start us off because I kind of dropped the topic off us here at the end. I'm rolling with the Washington football team over eight wins on uh, William Hill Caesar Sportsbook. I know they went under that total last year, but they still won their division. They had terrible quarterback play, Pat. It was a disaster. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick might be one of those late bloomer type of QBs who has finally calmed down just a little bit in his old age, but has those veteran savvy smarts. And even if they were to take a score back in this, uh, this coming draft, I don't think it hurts their win total at all. They can let him develop behind Fitzpatrick, who was a top half of the league quarterback last year in terms of QBR. They have the best, you could argue the most dominant top tier position group of any team in the NFL, maybe outside of the chiefs wide receiver weapons crew in that Washington football team, defensive front. It is a nasty group that did lose Ryan Kerrigan this last year, but he was kind of falling off the track a little bit anyway. So you add William Jackson to that defense as well. You add guys like, um, like Curtis Samuel that we've talked about him being added to the weapons fold. They've already got Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick. I like a lot of what I'm seeing out of this team, Pat, and in a division like the NFC East, which is so scattershot and so much of a question mark right now, no matter how you slice it with any team you look at, whether it's the Giants and their inability to protect Daniel Jones and his issues, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts being the least accurate quarterback in the NFL when he started last year. The Dallas Cowboys, their inability to stop anyone on defense or even guard a rushing lane 
let alone stop any rushing attack in the NFL in 2020 and their aging offensive line as well. It seems like there's a power vacuum in the NFC East and that eight wins coming off a division title that was probably a year ahead of schedule for Ron Rivera's crew. I like what Washington football team could get done in 2021 behind Fitzmagic. It's going to be a lot of fun to root for Fitzmagic anyway, so I think I'm going to go ahead and put my money where my mouth is and make that bet back. I think that's the only thing that makes me a little bit concerned is I feel like that division just has to get better only because it was so bad last year. Obviously, the Cowboys Didn't we say that this time last year, though, and it was just as bad? Didn't you you pick the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl? I mean, I did, yeah. I'm not making that mistake this year, Pat. They they had to get – so their competition is going to get just slightly better, I I feel. So that's something that makes me a little bit nervous. But we got to remember, right, we're getting a whole extra game for us to play this year. So – uh, exactly. I, That's I'm true. At these, Good point. Good point. I'm looking at these win totals, and I'm I feel like Vegas is almost overvaluing this extra game because I'm looking at maybe it's my dumb brain going, how are these teams going to win this many games? Because there's just no way all these teams are going over. So that took me to look towards the bottom uh, of this sort of at least skew to the bottom of it. And I, I still didn't feel good. I'm still looking at a lot of unders. So I, I think I fell. I fell on a team that I don't love. But well, I'm it could be an under, it. too. I just wanted to know your favorite win total. It oh, we can go under? I thought, we could, I thought you wanted us to go over. It doesn't have to be over. over. No, it doesn't. Okay. It's just your favorite win total. Your favorite. Um, I like side. all the – I like almost all of the unders, if I'm being honest. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's terrifying <laughs> as we look at this. There's just no way I see the Raiders winning eight games. There's no way I see – That's the biggest the one to me, Matt. They have no games. offensive line. They don't have an offensive line. The Raiders is the one for, for me that I was yeah, no, that Giants, was right behind the football team. For the Giants winning seven games, I think is uh, no way and no way Jose does that happen. But I look at two teams that I could. I look at a few teams that could go over, and they're all in that same range as your Washington football team: Chargers, Vikings, Cardinals at nine, eight and a half, and eight respectively. I think Justin Herbert could have an awesome, just continue to develop into a great QB, and I think the Chargers. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but they should have a pretty easy schedule considering how bad they were last year. They'll get some of the bottom teams in the other division. I think they'll be able to take advantage of their of their own division a little bit more this year, having the full year of Herbert. So I do love them. Uh, the Cardinals, I want to pick the Cardinals because I think the Seahawks are in for another downtrend next year. And so I think the Cardinals might be able to supplant them in that division get to those 10 wins. And I also think the Vikings are due for a bounce back year. They were so up and down, started the year last year, a bunch of losses, got a bunch of wins. So I'm actually going to fall on the Vikings. I think I like Kirk Cousins. I'm a believer in Zimmer. I think that team's just going to be a little bit more consistent this year, not lose whatever four games to start the season. And I think they could scrap enough, just enough to get to nine wins. Has Zimmer had back-to-back losing seasons with the Vikings? I don't think he has. With, uh, with Minnesota. He said last year was his worst defense of all time. So if it's the That's worst defense of all time, hopefully can't get much worse for Minnesota Vikings <laughs> fans out there in the land of the skull. But for Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Hellman. Wish everyone a very happy, healthy rest of your weekends. Tune into UFC 261. Got a completely packed house down there in Jacksonville. Get to hear all the roars after every single knockout. I have missed it dearly, people. Been over a year since we've had an atmosphere like that. We'll finally get it back from the shores of the St. John's River down there in Jacksonville, Florida, starting on Saturday night. We will talk to you on Monday, everybody. Have a good weekend.